Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Glad you could join us. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord God, we thank you so much for this time that we're about to have with you, O oh Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord God, you shall minister to every single listener that is out there today, O oh Lord God. Open their hearts that they may hear and understand your words here today, O oh Lord. We praise you, Lord God. We magnify thy most glorious name. I give this time and this space entirely over to you, O oh Lord. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Again, praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1. Pastor Mike here. Glad you could join us. And we're going to get to Scripture in a bit, but I just want to kind of just say to you, why don't you pause and go and get your Bible, a marker, a pen, a piece of paper, and take some notes or whatever. Be prepared to just mark up your Bible because uh, you'd be surprised the Scriptures that you cover and highlight will come to benefit you later on as uh, things, you know, come to pass in your life, okay? So praise God, praise God. Um, I want to talk about some studies um, and reports that are out there today that say that there's been a drop in church attendance and affiliation. It is not surprising because scripture states that this indeed would come to pass. The Bible prophesies that there would be, be the falling away. So with that, I want to go to 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 1. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse number 1. Thank you, Jesus. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there first become a falling away. Okay? Read that again. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called, called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Okay? So the so word here is saying that, um, you know, don't be too, too troubled because, you know, things are not going to come to pass. The end is not going to come to pass. The day of Christ is not going to come to pass, except they come a falling away first. Okay? How many Americans have left the church? This trend towards secularization of attitudes, activities, and other behaviors that have no religious or spiritual basis, show no signs of slowing down, according to a 2021 Pew Research Center report. The percentage of people, listen to this now, the percentage of people belonging to some form of Christianity decreased from 52.2% in the 2016 census to 43.9% in the 2021 census. All right? So in 2016, 52.2% and then in and then in 2021, uh, 43.9. Okay, so there's been a decrease. Meanwhile, those declaring that they had no religious religion increased from 30% in 2016 census to 38.9% in the 2021 census. God's word said that there should be a falling away, and I believe there's a falling away because there's a separation going on. And that separation is separating the wheat from the chaff. Separating the wheat from the chaff. It makes you wonder why anyone would leave the Lord after they have known him and what it's really like to be a Christian. 
Why is there falling away? If you know the Lord and you've, you've been, you, you know the touch of Holy Spirit, you know the touch, the loving touch of God the Father, why would you fall away? We must make up our minds where we want to be, with God or not, okay? After all, it's pretty simple. You can't look in opposite directions at the same time. <laughs> Try it. Can you look this way and look at look behind you at the same time? It's impossible. So we have to make up our minds, you know? Are we with God or are we not? But as usual, let's see what the Word of God says. Let's go to 1 John 2.18. One John, little John, two, and verse number 18. Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now, there are many Antichrists, okay? And this is not referring to the Antichrist, okay? I'm not referring to the Antichrist. And don't forget the word anti means against. So there are many that are against Christ, Antichrist. Even now, there are many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So he's saying here that they went out, they, went, they, 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 they claimed they were with us, but they left us. But if they left us, then that means that they were not really with us in heart and spirit and mind in the first place. And they did this so that it would be clear that they were not with us. Okay? All right? All right? So they were with them. But he's saying here that if they were really, 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 really in their heart of hearts with us, they wouldn't have left us. Okay? But they wanted to leave so that they could show other people that we were not a part of them. Okay? And I think there are many people out there today that are virtue signaling so much that they claimed at one point that they were Christian. Then all of a sudden, because so much is going in the opposite direction now, they want to make known to their friends, their family, and others around them that, see, we're not one of them, okay? Even though at one point they claim to be one of them. They claim to be one of us. But because things are changing now, all of a sudden, they're leaving. So what he's saying here is that they were not really with us in the first place, okay? Because otherwise, they wouldn't have left. He goes on to say, but you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. No lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you, but the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. Get that deep within your spirit. If you're a born-again believer and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have an anointing, and that anointing abides in you. And you need not that any man teach you, see, okay? The anointing that you have, the presence of Holy Spirit in you, gives you all, of, all that you need to know. It gives you the knowledge. It gives you the insights, all that's going on around us today. So many people that are jockeying to, to tear down Christianity, people that are leaving the church, you know, you know, through the unction of the Holy Spirit that you have in you, you know what's right. 
you know what's right and no man can teach you. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. I, I can stand up here for the next hour or so and read the word to you and preach to you. All right. But the bottom line is that the one that really does the teaching is the Holy Spirit that's in you. Okay. Okay. The Holy Spirit that's in you, when you're reading these words and there's a quickening in your spirit that what you're reading is truth, what you're hearing is truth, what you're hearing is spot on. This is the Holy Spirit. Okay. If I could just stand up here and just talk to you, talk to you, talk to you, and you don't have Holy Spirit in you to, 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 to confirm what you're hearing as being correct, then it's a waste of my time and it's a waste of your time because you're not going to learn. It's the Holy Spirit that does the teaching. Okay. He's the real teacher. It says that you have received of him, abided the anointing that you've received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you all things, you see, the anointing is what teaches you, teaches you all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Okay? You shall abide in him. All right? So we see here now that if, if, if you are with us, as he said before, Okay, they left us because they really were not with us. Okay, if you're with the Lord, then it means that the Holy Spirit that's in you, that abiding that's in you, reveals unto you such truth that is such a wonderful thing to be a part of this thing that's called the body of Christ, that you don't even dream of ever wanting to leave. You don't even think about it, about wanting to leave. Amen, amen, amen. So we see here that, um, you know, I, I believe that there is indeed an ongoing separation of wheat from the chaff, all right? If we go to Psalm 1, go to Psalm 1, 1, thank you, Jesus, Psalm 1, 1, and we read, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, right? You don't want to be receiving counsel or guidance from anyone that you know is ungodly, right? And, and you will know if they're ungodly. Holy Spirit will reveal to you things of their nature, things that the things that they say, the way they behave. You will see little things, things that they look. You will feel things in your spirit about their spirit. You will know that someone is ungodly. You don't want to be taking counsel from them. You certainly wouldn't go and ask and ask and ask a, a, a bank robber about gee, what's the best way to save my finances or how can I you know make my investments prosper or so forth. You certainly wouldn't do that. So you don't want to take counsel from the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, you know, hang out with sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, verse two, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly, however, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, and I line that word chaff, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The way of the ungodly shall perish. Okay. So we see here that there is a clear distinction, a clear contrast between the wicked and the blessed persons who love God's word and are fruitful. Right. There's a, a, a clear, clear distinction. So what is this chaff that the word of God is talking about here? What is this chaff? Chaff is the loose outer covering on wheat. 
and other grains that must be separated in the threshing and winnowing process of harvesting grain. In biblical times, grain was threshed or trampled, was crushed and then beaten on the floor in an area that they called a threshing floor to separate the inedible part of the grain called chaff. Right? They went through great pains to separate that wheat because the chaff part was inedible. And, then, and you've probably seen the term in the, in the Bible, they are threshing floors. In the winnowing process, as it's called, the grain was then tossed into the air, allowing the wind to further separate any remaining bits of the husk from the wheat. Okay, can you picture that now? They've got this grain and they're crushing it, they're trampling on it, and, and they're tossing it into the air so that the, the, uh, the outer part, the lighter part, that chaff can be blown away. Separating the worthless chaff from the valuable grain was a symbol in Scripture for separating good from evil or showing the difference between God's treatment of the godly versus his treatment of the wicked. And referring back to Psalm 1, uh, 1 to 6 that we just read, the people of God are blessed and firmly established, but not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away, as you see there in verse 4. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. All right. You see, so we see here that there is a marked difference in Scripture here regarding the people that are ungodly and the people that are godly. So just as chaff in the natural, just as chaff is worthless, okay, again, that, that, that the core of the wheat grain uh, has to be separated, the chaff that is worthless, the ungodly lifestyle is worthless in God's sight. Okay? You don't want to be living an ungodly wor uh, uh, lifestyle because in God's eyes, it's worthless. The Hebrew word for wicked describes people who do not belong to God and are controlled by their own passions. They are totally depraved. Every part of their being is tainted by sin. Because of this, they are incapable of doing anything that has eternal value in God's sight. Okay? Because of their lifestyles, because of the way they're living, they're incapable of doing anything that has any eternal value in God's sight. And that's something that really needs to be considered, how we're living our lives. But what we're doing, is it of any value to God from, a, from an eternal perspective? If you're living a life of sin, you know, you're an adulterer, you're a fornicator, and you're doing this and all sorts of other things, that you're a liar and a cheat and a stealer and everything else like that, you know, what do you bring to the table as far as heavenly uh, eternity? What are you bringing? What, it, that, that's, a, that's a worthless thing because God will not have that mentality, those kind of behaviors in heaven. It simply will not exist. Simply will not, will not exist. Okay? The people, those people are totally depraved, the wicked, as the Bible says, and are being tainted by sin. And therefore, they are un, incapable of doing anything that has eternal value in God's sight. We see more about chaff in the New Testament. Let's go to Matthew 3. Matthew 3. Uh, verse 1. Okay. And we see here, it says, In those days came uh, John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is what he was saying, spoken by the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John in his raiment of camel's hair, hair uh, and, a, and a leathern uh, girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about Jordan. And they baptized 
in, in him of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance, and think not to say, and, uh, and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which brings forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Every tree that brings forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me, referring to Jesus, he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Okay? Now, obviously, this is talking about Jesus. And what he's saying is that when Jesus comes along, he's going to take his fan, so to speak. He's talking about like Jesus, you know, having a threshing floor floor. And he's going to separate here the wheat from the chaff. And he's saying it, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Okay. So here we see again now that there's a, there's a difference. There's a difference here. Okay. And he will, he will purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So he's saying here now, New, this is New Testament now, John referring to Jesus, saying that when he comes along, he's going to be separating the wheat from the chaff. Okay, and the chaff, again, are the ungodly, the ungodly people. His winnowing fork is in his hand. Okay, all right? And he will clear his threshing floor. In this verse, Jesus is portrayed as someone who will separate the wheat from the chaff, gathering the wheat into his barn, and burning up the chaff. This is the first instance that the idea of separation is brought up within the New Testament. Although the full meaning of this verse has end time significance, it could be argued that this verse is applicable at all times and places. You see, right away when you read this, you think about the end there where there's going to be this separation, judgment, and so forth like that. But this is obviously, this verse is also applicable to all times and places because we see that uh, um, this is going on today. God is always in varying degrees separating the wheat from the chaff in his church and separating the wheat from the chaff in the individual lives of his people as well. Okay. So not only is there a purge that's going on in his church, there's a separation within the church, the body of Christ, but Jesus is also, God the Father is through us in our individual lives, separating the wheat from the chaff in our lives. Okay. And the chaff in our lives could be a host of things which would be ungodly in nature that maybe we don't even realize, you know, or if we do realize, we certainly need to be separating and getting rid of those ungodly habits or behaviors in our lives. But this is also happening, happening individually. God wants to clean up his church. Simple as that. Whenever you read or hear about what's going on in this country and around the world for that matter, there seems to be an underlying theme at work within the church. Okay. Look what's going on around us. There seems to be an underlying theme there. And that, that theme is the separation and sanctification. Separation and sanctification. Sanctification means to be reserved or set aside for holy use. Okay. Sanctified means to be reserved 
and set aside for holy use. See, so God is going through his church and he's and, and he's separating that out. And he's also going through our lives individually and separating out, separating the wheat from the chaff out of our lives also. Because what's happening is that there's a separation and a sanctification going on at the same time. Christians are being faced with many choices. For example, will they serve Jesus or seek the riches of the world? Simple as that. Make up your mind. You're going to serve Jesus or you're going to seek after the riches of the world. Okay? And, and, and that's also the ways of the world. You want to follow him or do you want to follow what the, what the unbeliever or non-believer believes in and does? Are you going to go along with the word of God and be bold and stand up for what you know the word of God would have you to do? Or are you going to waffle and go along with the crowd to go along just to get along? Just to be woke and just to seem like you are along with the people. Look at what's going on today. And I'll be honest and blunt about it. Some listeners may not like this, but look at, look at what's happening in Israel. Okay. And the Bible talks about Israel constantly being under persecution here. And we see what's happening there. The people are turning against Israel. They're hating Israel. They were not the ones that, that, that provoked the, uh, the massacre that was there. All right. Okay. But, uh, and then many people not, not even knowing the history of what happened there in Gaza over the, over the, in recent, recent modern history, not even look, looking, you know, right up there blaming Israel for this occupation and, and Israel gave up that land some time ago. And I don't want to get into the politics of it, of it, but, but there are so many people out there because some of the people that you see the protesting and making the most noise about it, when you, when you, when you get, get a knowledgeable interviewer asking them why, 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 all they do is they parrot back and repeat back the rhetoric that someone else has told them, but they don't understand the truth. So what they do is to be popular and go along with their friends in the crowd, they start, they start, they start siding with, with, with Hamas. Right? And again, I'm not getting politically, but I'm just talking about, about, about fact, what's going on. We see many people just joining in to be joining in. So are you going to do what God would want you to do? Or are you going to go along with the crowd? God is doing a separation here. And he's watching and listening to how you're thinking and how you are behaving, what's in your heart of hearts. Okay? I don't think anyone could go along with, with the evil that was done over there, with the babies and the women and things that were done over there. I mean, and, and, and there's proof that this happened, but many people turn a blind eye to it. So again, the Lord is separating out the wheat from the chaff. And this is a very good example where you see that happening right before our eyes. Who are you going to follow, Jesus or after the riches of this world? Will they faithfully, you know, will they faithfully hold on to the truth of God's word or will they compromise with the current culture or popular way of life? And there are so many ways of life that are popular these days that it is far from the word of God. But who are you going to follow? You're going to go along simply to go along, go along simply for the sake of going along and being liked. I would far prefer for God to like me or love me rather than my next door neighbor who believes in is going down an ungodly path. I'd much rather want God to love me, Jesus to love me, Holy Spirit to be pleased at the way I'm living in my life than to worry with my next door neighbor or another family member that is, is uh, going off, going down the wrong path. I'm not worried about my family members thinking whether I'm doing right or wrong. I'm worried about God considering whether I'm doing right or wrong. All right. So there's a separation that is clearly taking place. You know, Will we live in holiness or, 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 or will we give way to the decadence around them? They look to the world for their hope, or will they look to Jesus? You can't look to the world for hope. You can't look to the government for your hope. With all that's going on in our government here in this country and many other governments around the world, I don't look to them for hope, not by a long shot. There's so much going on that is wrong. I look to God. I look to God for hope. 
You know, Psalm 37 says, fret not yourself because of the evildoers, for soon you will not see them. You know, I've asked the Lord to help me to stop worrying about the politics and thinking about the politics of, of this country and the world and what's happening in our capitals of this country, Washington, D.C. I asked the Lord, Lord, give me your peace, give me your peace. Because when I start thinking about it and I see the wrongs that, that they seemingly, seemingly, I say, seemingly getting away with, it really annoys me and angers me. But I have to give that to the Lord because God says, give it to me. I will take care of it. God is still in charge. So we can't look to our to man's government for hope and salvation, you have to always look to God. But God is doing a separation here. He's doing a separation. Okay? These questions are tremendously descriptive of the dilemma many Christians are faced with today. As these questions are answered, what is occurring is a great separation within the body of Christ. One could say that Jesus is doing a separation of the wheat from the chaff right within the body. For many decades, for many decades, now listen to this, for many decades, the wheat and the chaff have been able to remain together, okay? The wheat and the chaff have, have managed to remain together. The differences between the two were there, but not as pronounced as they are today to create any major divisions between them, okay? Right? There's always been two different sides, if you will. There's always been the right versus the left. There's always been conservative versus uh, um, uh, progressive. But somehow over the decades in the past, you know, we were able to kind of kind of coexist. But now there's a radical difference between the two. All right. There's a radical difference. You know, if, you are, if you're old enough to have been around in the 50s and the 60s, as I was, I mean, these things, these notions and these ideas were always around, always around. But they were as not as pronounced as they are today, and they weren't as in your face as far as conservatism is concerned, as far as the godly is con are concerned. They were not as radically opposed as they are today. There's a radical difference between the two. Okay, so something is going on. But now the divide between the wheat and the chaff is becoming ever more distinct and obvious. Ever more distinct and obvious. It's as plain as the nose on your face, the differences that are there. Those who are committed to Jesus, committed to living righteously, and committed to seeing an actual, pure, and undefiled move of Holy Spirit, are being gathered by Jesus and set apart for his current day work. Right. Let me read this to you again, say this to you again. Those who are committed to Jesus, committed to living righteously, and committed to seeing an actual, pure, and undefiled move of Holy Spirit, are being gathered by Jesus and set apart for his current day work whatever it is that he needs us to do. Those who are okay with compromise, however, willing to follow the latest and the greatest trend, who seek what the world is offering, are likely being gathered, but they're being gathered unto judgment. Okay? If you notice, there's a coalescing around people and groups and movements of things that are wrong, that are ungodly. There's a coalescing of people around those ideas and concepts and trends that are ungodly. Oh, yes, they're being gathered together again, but also they're being gathered together, all right. But judgment's going to be upon that group. So again, there is indeed a separation. Those within the church who use the tools and strategies of the world in trying to advance the kingdom of God are likely being also gathered, but they're also being gathered unto judgment. Okay, And this is happening within the church. Use the tools and strategies of the world to try to advance the kingdom of God. They're trying to so-called, you know, advance God's kingdom and do the work of God, but they're using the strategies and the behaviors of those unbelievers 
to try to um, to try to make their point. Okay, and they're being gathered together also. That's like bringing bringing lifestyles that God talks against into the church. Bringing lifestyles and behaviors that God clearly speaks against in his word, they're bringing into the church and trying to use the strategies of the world to say, oh, well, this is acceptable. After all, because it's about being inclusive. After all, it's about being diverse. Okay. So under the guise of diversity and inclusive inclusivity, now they're bringing in things that are ungodly into the church. So that's using the that, that's using the strategies and the tools and the word and the words of the world to so-called advance God's kingdom. But they also are being gathered unto judgment. Now, more than ever before, the lines of separation are indeed being drawn. God is purifying his church right here in this country. He is revealing people's hearts. God is revealing people's hearts. Now, all of a sudden, you'll see in many cases, there were people that said one thing in the past and they smiled and said this and said that. All of a sudden, the true them, the true them is now coming out. What was in their hearts is now being revealed. You see that going on in many, many cases, many cases. He is revealing people's hearts. As God does this, a separating similar to what is seen in Matthew 3.12 is occurring right before our eyes. Right before our eyes. Many times we don't even, we're not even aware of it. But if you look around, you think about it again, I say, and you see what's going on, let Holy Spirit guide you, the Holy Spirit speak to you, you will see that this is happening by design. And we as Christians, we want to make sure we are not gathered together with the chaff. Because we can, we can so easily close a blind eye to what's happening and, and follow what the, what the ungodly are saying. God has not finished working in our nation, in this country. God is not finished at all. He's not finished in the world. God is not finished working in the world. But he will not use a compromised church. Simple as that. God is working on this country here, the USA, and God is working other countries in the world, but he will not use a church that is compromised. God does not use the compromised sinful or the egotistical to display his power or to conduct a move of his Holy Spirit. There are those in the church that are compromising and yet experience, quote unquote, success. Amen. There are those in the church who are compromising and yet they experience so-called success. However, success, quote unquote, can only be, be called success if it is judged by the world's standards. However, that success that those people are, are, are receiving, are experiencing, can only be called success if it is judged by the world's standards. Yeah. Now, I'm talking about those that are compromising. Okay, you make sure you're clear on what I'm saying here now. Those people that are compromising God's word, watering down God's words when they're preaching, watering down God's words when they're writing articles or writing sermons or whatever it is, they're watering down and they're compromising and they're achieving some modicum of quote unquote success. But that success is measured by the world standards, not by godly standards. True success occurs when the Spirit of God is at work, not merely when a church's numbers grow or their buildings become bigger, because the Holy Spirit seeks to move through his church. A separation of the wheat and the chaff must first take place. Okay, So that success that those that are compromising our experiences in the church, 
just because they have large numbers or they're able to collect monies to build these fabulous buildings, okay, that's by, and they're compromising, they're successful by the world's standards. That is not God's standard. True success occurs when the Holy Spirit is able to work in those churches, in those ministries. That's success, right? It's not a function of size or, or how much money the church has in the bank or how, or how wonderful their buildings look. If the Holy Spirit is absent during those church services, if the Holy Spirit is absent in dealing with the congregation, if Holy Spirit is absent in ministering to, to congregation after hours when there's someone that's in need or when someone someone has a, has a, has a, a spiritual question, if Holy Spirit is not able to, to function because that church is compromising, then they are not successful by God's standard. That's the point that I'm making. Please understand that. God's measurement of success is entirely different from the world's. Holy Spirit seeks to move through his church and a separation of the weak wheat and the chaff must indeed first take place. We, re we read that. The interesting thing about separation is that it is another word for sanctification, as I mentioned before. And what better analogy is there to describe sanctification in the life of the believer than the image of Jesus removing the chaff? That is the garbage, the useless, the worthless, that is in the life of the behavior of the believer. Okay? Jesus is removing that. We've got thing in our, things in our lives going on or the way we're thinking, the way we're behaving, and it is not pleasing to God. It is not acceptable to God because it cannot indeed effectively move the, the, move the, uh, uh, the actions of Holy Spirit because we're compromising or we're doing other things. Then God has to do something about that. As God is bringing separation into the church as a whole, as I said before, he also seeks to separate the wheat from the chaff in individuals' lives. Many of us have lived with things inside of us that God would deem as chaff. As individual believers, we must submit to God's process of sanctification. As God sanctifies the believer individually, he removes the chaff. This is a necessary process to be prepared for the work of God in our individual lives. This will then in turn enable us to, to, to be prepared to play the role that he calls us to in the body of Christ, his church. While it could be argued that Matthew 3.12 is dealing with the end of the world, this scripture has applications to the current state of the church today and God's desire to sanctify his people, not only corporately, but also individually. We want to go to Luke 21, verse 25. Luke 21. Thank you, Jesus. Luke 21, verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts falling them, failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and a great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws near. And he spoke to them a parable, behold, the fig tree and all the trees. 
when they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now near at hand. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is near at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till it be to all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, unless at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, and cares of this life, or cares of this world, of the world. And so, and so that day come upon you unawares. You got to be unaware of what is going on. We can't let these things, the day of judgment and so forth, and the rapture, Jesus coming back. We, no one knows when he's going to come, but we've got to be prepared. And we've got to be aware of what is going on around us so we can make sure we keep ourselves separated from that and sanctified. Again, if you're a born-again believing and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're sanctified and God has set you apart. He set you apart for his own work. You have a job, you have a function in the body of Christ. He wants you to live victoriously. He does not want you to be, to be struggling. Amen? 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 Verse 35. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch you therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that, that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Amen? Stand before the Son of Man. Jesus came the first time to save, but the second time he comes, he will come to judge the world with, unright with, with righteousness. He will come to judge the world with righteousness. The chaff, the wicked, the ungodly, the faithless, the unbelieving, the unfruitful, he will separate from the godly and deliver to a horrible fate. Therefore, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. See that in Luke 21, verse 36 there. In addition to watching, we need to actively be sure that we are not letting our lives become as chaff. Let's go to Matthew 5, verse 10. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 5, verse number 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. We see that going on today. I don't know if you've run into it personally, at work, in school, in your neighborhood, in your family perhaps even, because you are a believer how they don't want to be bothered with you or say unkind things to you. This is happening a lot today. Okay. It goes on to say there, in verse 12, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Underline that, please. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. If salt doesn't serve its purpose, then what, what good is it? 
you salt your food and put some salt on the meat on your meat, and if it doesn't do its purpose, then why do you keep it in your cupboard? You throw it away because it's of no use. So God here is saying that we are indeed the salt of the earth. He goes on to say here also that you are the light of the world. A city that is on a hill cannot be hid. All right? You are the light of the world. A city that is on a hill cannot be hid. You can, if you're driving at nighttime, especially in, in, in a rural, a very rural location, then there are no lights around you and everything. You have a certain destination you're trying to get to, and you're, maybe you're not unsure, but you look at it, and all of a sudden you see the lights of a city up ahead there. You know this is where you need to go. This is where you need to go. Right? So it says that you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So if you're the light of the world, that means then what you, what God, what God has prepared you for cannot be hidden. You are a beacon for someone. God will put you in, in, in situations around others where someone may be in that crowd or in that room or in that organization and your job or something is lost. You will be like a beacon to them. They, they, they will be drawn to you. And you may have experienced that. Someone that you don't know too well, all of a sudden they come up to you and they start talking and start revealing very, and start revealing very personal things to you. And you, know, and you start thinking to yourself, well, why me? Why me? Okay. Well, their spirit recognizes something in you, the godly spirit that's in you, and they're drawn to you. So we are to be a beacon, a light. Okay. He goes on to say that neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. So let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. If you light a candle and you put a bushel basket over the candle, then what good is that candle? It certainly doesn't illuminate your room. Not at all. Not at all. It doesn't illuminate your room. But if you put it on a candlestick, then it will indeed bring light to the room. That's what this is saying. It gives light to all that are in the house. So let your light shine before men so they may see your good works. Okay? If you're chaff, you're not doing good works. Let the light that, is, that God has placed in you, let it shine before men so that people, people will be drawn to you and thereby what you say, what you do as Holy Spirit so guides you, you will wind up glorifying your Father which is in heaven. This is, this is, this is not being chaff. This is you being the wheat. Think not that I am come to overcome, uh, that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, pass, not one jot or one tittle shall in no way pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Okay. You understand what this is saying here? Till heaven and earth pass. Not one jot on one tittle, and no way pass from the law until all is be filled. Whosoever shall break one of these one of these least commandments, and shall teach men also. So this is saying here that if you're breaking what the word of God is saying, and you're teaching men to do also, okay, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. You got a lot of people out there, boy. They are not teaching what the word of God really, really says. They've got their own spin on it. They've got their own, own uh, um, what can I say, you know, their own group spin, whatever group they're trying to, to satisfy, whatever. They're spinning the word of God based on that. 
and, and they're compromising and they're not truly teaching what the word, they're changing what God is saying there. It says that, 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 that they will not be considered uh, useful uh, or, uh, in the kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven. They shall be called the least. But whosoever shall do and teach them, and, and the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. All right? So we're going to make sure we're not like the scribes and the Pharisees were. Okay, They did not get what Jesus was preaching at all. They did not get it. They poo-pooed it. They dismissed it. Ultimately, they wound up getting him to the cross for crucifixion. So they totally did not get it. We want to make sure that we are preaching what the word of God is saying, what the, what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And this is not based on denominational nonsense. All right. You won't find Presbyterian, Baptist, Lutheran, or any of the others, or even the word Catholic in the Bible, per se, by name. What Jesus is talking about here is a way of life. He's not talking about a religion. He's talking about a way of life that follows God's words, not man's words. Because man takes God's word and he, he twists it just to suit the present day environment, to suit the present day cause, to suit the present day trend. Jesus is talking about pure, unadulterated Christianity, following Christ. That's what a Christian means, a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ. We see that if we go to Ephesians uh, 5 verse 1. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becoming becometh saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not you therefore partakers with them. Stay away from them. All those things that was just mentioned in verses 3 and, 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 and 1 there and 2. Stay from that. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. We don't partake of the worldly ways, the worldly desires. For you were sometimes darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You don't want to be fellowshipping with people that are sinning. We want to be fellowshipping with people that know they disagree with the word of God. And they're preaching that openly and outwardly. They disagree with it. So we don't want to be fellowshipping with them. Okay? Those works of darkness, reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak those things which are done of them in secret. Right? It is a shame to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. It will be exposed. For whatsoever does, does, doth, doth make manifest his light. Wherefore, he says, awake thou that sleepest. Wake up, wake up. Underline that word, awake. Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee life. We need light. We need to wake up and see what's going on around us. 
There's a reason that things are happening the way they're ha happening. The senseless things in the streets, the crime that's going on, the decisions to kill babies and, 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 and states jumping up and down and applauding when, when their courts come to a decision, you know, that it's okay. One of the states, they rewrote their, their constitution to make it legal, perfectly legal, to have abortion up to the latest stages of pregnancy. I mean, this is so ungodly. All right. So we do not rejoice, no, we do not partake in those things have no fellowship with them at all. So we need to wake up and see what is going on. Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming. Uh, oops. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There, it went too far, went too far here. There, there, okay. Um, because, because yeah, see that you walk circumspectly. Sorry there, my tablet went too far. Um, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. This is us building and making sure we're leading a godly life to make sure that when the separation that is continuing here, that we don't go out with the wind with, along with the chaff. That we, our lives, don't become like chaff, where it is totally unuseful to God. Where it's totally useless in God's eyes. Okay? We do not want to let our lives become like that. Last couple of scriptures here, Romans 13, verse 11. Romans 13, verse 11. Thank you, Jesus. And here we see again, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. There it is again. Underline that, please. Knowing the time, knowing what's going on, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Underline that, please. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. You see this stuff that's going on. Any day the Lord could return. Any day, any day. No man knows the time or the hour. The word of God said, Jesus said, as a matter of fact, no man knows but the Father. Even Jesus doesn't know when he's going to be sent back to return. When he's going to be sent back. Amen? Only the Father knows. But again, now is the time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. To fulfill the lusts thereof. It's time for us to wake up, saints. It's time for us to wake up. Here we see Paul describing why it is so essential for Christians to live this way. 
Time is of the essence. The world is changing right now, saints. The world is changing right now. Paul writes to the Roman Christians here, the Christians, this is the book of Romans here, Roman Christians, that the hour has come for them to wake up in the sense that the sun is about to rise. It's time to, 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 to get to work. You see, understand that back here, you know, he's referring to, you know, in, in the Bible, Bible, you know, what was used was, was everyday experiences, experiences here to relate real profound, profound spiritual truths. Daylight and the darkness of night controlled the world of Paul's day. Daylight and darkness and nighttime with no artificial lighting. They didn't have light bulbs and all those sort of things there. And, and firelight wasn't much as compared to modern day lighting and all that stood between the people. And it was all that stood between uh, people in darkness. Okay. All right. Day and night, day and night. That's how they lived their lives. Basically, all right? most work stopped as the sun went down. And started again when the sun rose. Paul is urging Christians in a spiritual sense that the sun is about to rise. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's time to wake up. If you're living in nighttime in the darkness, it's time for you to take on Jesus Christ. Accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior right now. Right now. Rebuke and repent of all your sinful ways, all the things that you've done. Ask the Lord to cleanse you by the blood of the Lamb. And Lord Jesus, come into my life. I, I, I love you, Lord. I know that you're the Son of the living God and that you rose from the dead. And, and, and confess all of that and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Wake up. It's time for you to get up. What does it mean that the sun is rising? Paul describes the moment as one in which salvation is closer now than when his readers first trusted in Christ. Does this mean that Paul did not think of Christians as being saved? Not at all. The New Testament often describes salvation as something that has happened, that has happened, and is happening, and will continue to happen. In this case, Paul is referring to salvation in the sense that all who are in Christ will have reached eternity, that the time of ultimate victory and judgment is fast approaching. Fast approaching. Paul believed that they could come at any time. 2,000 years later, we're still looking forward to it. So make sure your life is being lived like wheat and not chaff. This is why we see what's happening in the world today going on. God is indeed doing a, separ a separation. He's sorting out, sorting out those that believe and sorting out those that do not believe. Okay, Those that believe will, be, will have a, a wonderful future. And those that don't will have a not-so-happy future, to put it mildly. Amen? So it's time to wake up. Know what's going on. Offer your life to the Lord and let him guide you. You'll be so much better off. You'll be so joyful. Times will come your way that may be challenging, but you'll have Holy Spirit in you. Jesus Christ will be, uh, Lord Holy Spirit will be in you and guiding you. Jesus Christ will be your Lord and Savior, and your Heavenly Father will be also joyful as you praise him. Amen? 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 There's a lot to look forward to, but wake up. There is indeed a separation that's going on right before our very eyes. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing. And if it was, uh, pass on to others how we can be found. And we're at www.genesis1.sermon.net. Genesis1.sermon.net. You look at the top of the page, you'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be automatically notified when um, new messages are available. Uh, we're on YouTube, Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. And we also have our free apps for Android and Apple devices, downloadable from their respective uh, Play Stores, App Stores, uh, all free of charge. Nothing here costs anything uh, for you. We just want to make sure the Word of God gets around this world.
to set the captives free. Amen. Um, uh, you can also download these messages in their entirety, uh, also free of charge, or you can download the audio-only portion if you want to, so you can play it back in your car without needing to see a visual message. Amen. So all that's there again for the asking. And also, if, you, if you're in Oregon, here's Salem, Oregon, where we're located, uh, why don't you join us for a uh, live worship service, okay? Come there and, and fellowship with us, hear the word of God, and let us pray with you, pray for you if you have a need, special need. Uh, we're, here, we're, here to, we're here for you, okay? And uh, we're in the Candelaria Terrace uh, area of uh, Salem, Oregon, and the address is 2651 Commercial Street Southeast, 2651 Commercial Street Southeast here in Salem, Oregon. Come on by and join us, all right? We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. If you're listening to these messages, maybe the Lord is pulling you and calling you and, uh, and telling you to take the next step. So come on by. Praise God. Again, I hope this message was a blessing to you. Um, pass the word, spread the word. Now, I hope it benefits you through the rest of the week until we join again next time. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that these words that we've heard, oh Lord God, will stay deeply, deeply planted in our spirits, that they cannot be stolen away when the evil one comes around, around and tries to discourage us, O oh Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, Lord God, for this time that we always have with you, Lord God, and we just glorify thy most wondrous name. We thank you, Lord, in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God, praise God. Go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is Lord.